Welcome back to another bonus episode of Heritage Explains. We're looking forward to bringing you a new series starting on June 7th, but in the meantime, we're bringing you some great conversations from the Heritage Foundation on the topic of our recently completed series on the Chinese Communist Party. This week, we've got something truly special for you. Our president, Dr. Kevin Roberts, hosts a weekly podcast, The Kevin Roberts Show, in which he interviews some of the most interesting and influential people in the conservative movement. This is one of our favorites, Dr. Roberts' conversation with former professional basketball player for the Boston Celtics and his Cantor Freedom. Among other things, they discuss his upbringing in his native Turkey, Chinese influence in the NBA, his activism against it, and his hope for America. As always, thanks for listening to Heritage Explains. If you've got any feedback, send it our way at heritageexplains at heritage.org. And we hope you enjoy this conversation with Ennis Cantor Freedom. Welcome back to the Kevin Roberts Show. You are used to my visiting with friends who might be elected officials. Some of them, like me, might run other conservative policy organizations. We don't always get the opportunity to have someone who is a professional basketball player and, in addition to that, a human rights advocate. It is such a treat to sit here with one of my new friends in the nation's capital, Ines Cantor Freedom. You know, as a lifelong Celtics fan, that's fun, but far more important than that, all kidding aside, what Enos does for human rights around the world is really courageous. And I am so glad you're here because Heritage will always stand with you. I, with I your appreciate courage. that. No, thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate that. You're a busy guy. You, you travel the country, you travel the uh -huh. world, and mm -hmm. you made time for this. You're going to make time any at any point that Heritage mm -hmm. wants to help you with your platform. And on behalf of the millions of people who benefit from your work, Thank you. I appreciate that. that. That was a very nice opening speech. <laughs> so no more speeches for me. Okay. This is all about you. I just want to start with your story. I'm, I'm familiar with it. I know many, if not most in the mm -hmm. audience are familiar with it. But one of the things we try to do on this show, Enos, whether it's you as the guest or someone who's a U.S. senator or a governor, is get at why mm -hmm. they're motivated to do what they do. Right. And you've got a really important thing that you're doing with human uh, rights. So uh, why? You know, I will just start with, with my childhood, actually. Everything started with a promise. Hmm. So I'm not sure how much you guys know what's happening in the Middle East, especially in some of the countries. So I remember growing up in, in Turkey, it was a very difficult time for my country. And um, so if you are a politician, a lawmaker, a president, or whoever, you know, prime minister, if you want to be elected again, you got you do two things you attack america and you attack israel so i remember growing up you know it was all over the tv right about propaganda against the west against israel towards jewish people towards christian um, people so i remember i was i'm nine years old i went downstairs to play with my friends which they're nine years old too and uh, the reason i'm giving is numbers because I just want you to see how crazy it is. So I went downstairs and what I saw, it shocked me so bad. I still remember. I went downstairs and my friends were burning flags. They were burning American flags. They were burning Israeli flags and they were actually breaking crosses. So I asked one of my friends, I was like, what are you guys doing? 
They was like, well, that's what we see on TV. The Americans are evil. The Jewish people are devil. The, you know, the, uh, the Christians are whatever, bad people. And I was so shocked. So they gave me a flag and a lighter to burn it. So I took it. I looked at it. For some reason, I just got so scared. So I threw it down. I ran upstairs to my mom. I was like, mom, you know, my friends are telling me to burn flags. They're telling me American people are evil. Jewish people are devil. Christians are horrible people. What do I do? My mom said, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but do not hate anyone before you meet them. So that day, I give a promise to my mom. I'm not going to hate anyone. I don't care how good, how bad, or whatever I see on TV. So eight years later, when I'm 17 years old, my dad sent me to America to get my education and play basketball at the same time. And I landed for the first time. I'm so excited, but at the same time, I'm so nervous. I just don't know what to expect, you know? So I remember having a conversation with my teammates for the first time, and they told me, oh, let us take you to a mosque and let us get, get you some halal food. And I promise you, I turned around and left the locker room. Yeah, because I just didn't know what to expect. And I remember going to my first uh, Shabbat dinner. And one of my friends invited me, which I did not know she was Jewish, but I would not maybe have become friends with her because of what I've seen. So first, obviously, I said no. Then I remember the promise that I gave to my mom. I was like, okay, you know what? I'm coming. So I called one of my Turkish friends who lives in America. I was like, if you don't hear from me for the next two hours, <laughs> I promise you, call the police. I'm going to this address. So that day, I it was a beautiful Shabbat dinner. I had an amazing time. I was like, the food is the same. The music is the same. Everything is the same. So I'm like, why this fight? So that day, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make every young kid and every youth in the Middle East know that what they are learning, what they grew up in is wrong. And the, the current now longtime leadership in your native country of Turkey mm -hmm. is a real problem. Big problem. I mean, Turkey plays a very important role in NATO, in Middle East, in Europe. Uh, I mean, it, they are a NATO ally. But um, what's happening over there, it's very sad because Turkey could have been the bridge of Islam and West. But right now, there is no freedom of speech, religion. There is no freedom of expression, movements. It's impossible. So... And uh, just highlight for the audience uh, what what that how that government has responded to your comments. <laughs> well, I mean, so till my first, probably my second year, all I cared about was just going out, having you know, have fun with my teammates. I'm, I'm an you NBA were, player. You, you were know? normal, exactly. I, I was normal. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I was just like having fun with my teammates, right? So the, my third year, there's a corruption scandal happened in Turkey. President Erdogan and some of his family members were involved in it. So, and then after that, he started to go around and put an innocent people in jail who caught him. And he was going around and putting journalists in jail, prosecutors, lawyers, and he started to go around and shutting down media outlets. And I was like, I don't care who you are, but if you are fighting against a free media, I'm going to say something about it. So I put a tweet out there. Because of the NBA platform, it became a conversation in the United States and Turkey. And I was like, even one simple tweet can affect this much from now. And I'm going to start paying attention about what's going on in my country more. So I started to, you know, 
started to study, started to read. I remember my friends were going out. I was coming back home, just started to study about the relationship between America and Turkey, what's happened in the Middle East. And the more I studied, the more, you know, news outlets started to give me a platform. So I started to speak up. So the things I talk about really affected me and my family. You know, my dad was a scientist and he got fired from his job. My sister went to medical school for six years. She still cannot find a job till this day. And I think the saddest one was my little brother because he wanted to be like his big brother, become an NBA player, basketball, NBA was his dream. But because of the same last name, he was getting kicked out in every team. So they were started to get affected so much, they had to put a statement out there and said, we are disowning NS publicly. Actually, the letter is still out there on the internet. So the Turkish government didn't believe that. They sent police to my house in Turkey and they raided the whole house and they took every electronics away, phones, computers, laptops, iPad, because they wanted to see if I am still in contact with my family or not. They couldn't find no evidence, but they still took my dad in jail for a while. But we put so much pressure from lawmakers in America and media to Turkey, they had to let him go. And then they revoked my passport. They put my name on Interpol list. So till this day, I still they still consider me as an international criminal. Um, so they actually tried to kidnap me in Indonesia. They arrested me in Romania. So um, the, once I got my green card, you know, they, they said, do not leave America till you become a citizen. So five years later, I become a citizen. And that, that part has worked out really well. Yes, very. <clears throat> What's the best part of America for you? You know, it's it's so funny because I want to give an example of like of some of my teammates actually. So so after I become a citizen, right, I am in a locker room with my teammates and we are talking about America. Why we have so much problem here, this, this is going on, that is going on, America is the worst, blah, blah, right? So I stopped, I stopped them for a second. I was like, when the season is over, it was like around three months left. When the season is over, I will buy your ticket. And let's go to some of the countries out there, like China, like Russia, like Iran, like North Korea, like Venezuela, like Cuba. I can go on and on. There's another like 60 countries that in my head I can. Exactly. I was like, let me see if, if you can even put a tweet out there. Just a simple tweet that criticized the government or the regime or the president or whoever. My manager's wife is Turkish, and her dad liked one of my posts on Twitter. Not a retweet, not a reshape, liked. He was in jail for 13 days by liking my post. You know, think about just think about this. And this is Turkey. I'm not talking about China, Iran, Russia, which, believe it or not, are worse. It's like way worse. I don't. Yeah. So. um I was I was telling him, I was like, listen, you guys are very blessed and very lucky to be in a country like this. And I'm not saying America is perfect. Obviously, every country has its own problem. But I'm, we, we are glad this is not China or Iran, you know? Yeah. So. And, and there is, in spite of the, the, the warts in the United States, mm -hmm. there's great hope. There's a path ahead. We're going to talk about that some. And I would I would presume, Ines, that even as it relates to Turkey, especially if, if we think about the future, a post-Erdogan future, that there's hope there too, far more, unfortunately, than there is in Iran or, or China in particular. Turkey's a NATO ally, you know. 
Um, and so even like when I have a conversation with uh, some of the lawmakers here, they are, it's so hard for them to take any kind of actions like they're taking against, you know, Russia or China or Iran because it's a NATO ally. And Turkey was a democratic country uh, and before Erdogan. And I believe after Erdogan, it's going to go back to being democratic again. But right now it's so hard because there's no freedom of speech, no free media, journalists. Turkey is actually one of the... I think top three country in the world that put most journalists in a jail. Think about it. You got China, Russia, Turkey. So, um, no, I, whatever I speak up about my country, people think I don't like my country. People are wrong. I love my country. I love my flag. I love my people. The reason you look at all my interviews, all my opas, that everything I have right so far in my whole life, I never talk about politics. I only talk about two things, political prisoner and human rights violations. That's it. Because I don't care which party you vote for or whoever you cheer for, you have to care about human rights. Yeah, these things uh, transcend exactly. party politics yep. in, in every country. And and I'm glad you said what you said about your love for Turkey because it's, it's apparent uh-huh. to anyone who has followed you for several years that your zeal for human rights, mm-hmm. your your zeal that you you use to criticize the Erdogan government comes from a very deep love for your people and for Turkey. And and that should be true. We would want that to be true for every human being on the planet about their native land, right? That's the reason I haven't seen my family 10 years now, just because I want to fight for freedom and democracy in my country. Think about it, 10 years. Show me what another person could do this for their country. It's, it's hard. No, it has to be. So... It has to be. And that's that's one of the reasons when, when you and I first met about a year ago, mm-hmm. uh, we were both talking at separate times, I think, to the Republican Study Committee in the yep, House. RSC. And uh, and you did a, a wonderful job, of course. And I told you, I said, always count on Heritage mm-hmm. to help you out. So I just want to I want to get back to year three when you were in the NBA and you're mm-hmm. having this discovery and you put kind of the fun times of the NBA behind <laughs> you. And and you're thinking you're taking the the role you have more seriously, the role as someone who can speak out. Mm-hmm. At what point did you say China has got to be target number one? Another story. I knew there would be another story. <laughs> another story. So, so the last ten years, I focused on Turkey. Right. Obviously, my plate was full. Um, you know, my family is there, uh, so I just couldn't really focus on other dictatorships, other regimes. You know. So last year, last summer, actually, I'm doing a basketball camp in New York. It was a beautiful basketball camp. After the basketball camp, all the kids just lined up in front of me. And um, I remember I took a picture with this kid. And his parents actually called me out in front of everybody and said, how can you call yourself a human rights activist when your Muslim brothers and sisters are getting tortured and raped every day in concentration camp in China? And I'm still like smiling for the camera. I heard that. I'm just shocked because the media is there, parents, kids, everyone is there. So I prom- I turned around to that parent. I was like, I promise I'm going to get back to you. So that day after the basketball camp, I canceled everything. I went back to my hotel. I started to study about what's going on. The more I studied, the more, more I realized the Uyghurs are not the only one. You have Tibetans, you have Hong Kongers, now you have Taiwanese people, Mongolians, falling off. So you have all these people, right, are being, their rights have been abused by, under Chinese government. So I was like, obviously on the internet you can't find all kind of news. You don't know which one to believe or not. So I called my manager. I was like, I need you to find me a concentration camp survivor. 
So he found me one. It was a lady. So I sit down with the lady and I started to have a conversation. We had one hour conversation and she was telling me about all the torture methods, all the gang raping. She was telling me about the organ harvesting. I don't want to go on details because I don't know if, if the, any, any of the kids were watching it. I don't want to go on details. So after, the, after our conversation, I was like, okay, you got me. How can I help? She said, I'm good. I don't need your help. So I stopped for a second. I'm like, what are you talking about? So we just had this one hour conversation for no reason. She said, I live in America. I'm good here. I'm free here. I can do whatever I want. I can eat wherever I want. I can go wherever I want. Help the other two, three million people that lives in concentration camp in China. So at that moment, right, I'm like, oh my God. I was very ashamed with myself. I was like, the last 10 years, I had this huge platform. I could have helped so many other people, but I was uh, at that moment, I promised myself, okay, now not only my home country, Turkey, but everywhere else, I'm going to talk about it. I wanted to do it in a very unique way. So when I was a kid, whenever I watched an NBA game, the first thing obviously I was watching was the shoes. Of course. I mean, everyone loves, who that's, doesn't that's love, normal too. who doesn't love shoes, please. <laughs> so like, I was like looking at the shoes, like, okay, what color it is, you know, what brand, if they're comfortable. The next day I was waking up and telling my dad, please buy those shoes for me. You know, I had this like huge shoe collection when I was a kid. So I was like, let's come up with this like crazy, amazing idea. So let's come up with the shoes, which is non-slave labor shoes, which it was so hard to create it, you know. And we let's reach out to these artists around the world who has been oppressed by their governments. And let's tell them to put all the struggles, all the stories and all the oppressions on the shoes. And we're going to go out there and play basketball in them. Right. It, and I trust me, I looked at it. There was no any kind of like rule against it. Because two years ago, three years ago, when we, we were in the NBA bubble, all these players were putting on their shoes, Black Lives Matter, um, Breonna Taylor, no, you know, that, that whatever their cause was. Exactly. So if that is okay, I hope that mine is okay too. That's a free speech and mine is a free speech too. So we, we come up with these ideas, you know, I wanted to do the topic Tibet first because, because I didn't want people to think, oh, he's Muslim. He only supports Muslims. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do Tibet. And I grew up as a huge Dalai Lama fan and I think his message is beautiful. Um, I'm giving you a long answer. No, th this so, is okay, why we have okay, the show. Okay, okay, so so just, don't shorten it. Keep going. Okay, okay. So first game, you're a Celtics fan, right? Think about this. First game is against New York Knicks. You know the rivalry. It's a serious business. Exactly. At Madison Square Garden, it's opening night for the Knicks. So the, and it's a national TV game. The whole world is watching. Millions of people. I was like, it's a perfect game to do it. The most famous arena. You know, no offense to, you know, Celtics fan, but obviously Madison Square Garden is the most famous arena. So there's all the celebrities. I'll begrudgingly give you. <laughs> okay. So there's all the celebrities, right? Obviously, like you see all the celebrities, owners, GMs, everyone, fans. So... I put the shoes on. I went out there. I'm warming up, right? And all my teammates are looking at my shoes because Tibetan flag is very colorful flag. They're like, we have never seen this type of shoes before. Like, what is it? I was like, you'll find out soon. Don't worry. So we sang the national anthem. We came in a huddle. The game hasn't started yet. There's two gentlemen from the NBA came to me. They were working for the Celtics. And they said, take your shoes off. Go go in the locker room, change your shoes and come back. I was like, excuse me, 
what are you talking about? He said, your shoes has been get, getting so much attention internationally. Obviously, it was from China. The game hasn't started yet. Think about it. Somehow, they have seen my shoes on while I was like warming up and called the Chinese government and Chinese government called call the NBA back during the warm-ups. They said, you cannot play the, those shoes with the, uh, with, the, with the shoes. So I was like, am I breaking any rules? They said, no, but we are getting so much pressure. So it was the perfect moment because I was just getting ready for my citizenship test, right? So this is what, exactly what I did. So I closed my eyes. We are in a huddle. It's like one minute left till the game starts. So I closed my eyes. I was like, okay, there are 27 amendments. My first amendment, freedom of speech. I was like, I'm not taking them off. This is my freedom of speech. So, uh, so they actually threatened me to ban me. I was like, go tell your boss. I'm not I, even, even if I get fined, I'm not taking them off. They said, we're not talking about a fine. We're talking about getting banned. I was like, okay, I'm not doing it. So the game started, right? Which I, I played every game before that game. But that game, somehow, they didn't need me. So the first half, I went back to my locker room. I had thousands of notifications in my phone, like Twitter, Instagram, phones, missed calls, like messages. So I clicked on the one that my manager sent me. They, he said, every Celtics game is banned in China. I'm sure, I mean, the audience is a basketball fan, so there is 12 minutes in the first quarter, 12 minutes in the second quarter. So in 24 minutes, it took 24 minutes to China ban every Celtics game on television. And they didn't do it in like, they didn't hide it. They made it publicly. So that game, I played zero minutes. We lost the game. Anyway, Clearly there was a correlation. Yeah, exactly. So after the game, the whole world is calling me. I was getting, um, you know, the interview requests from every outlet in the world. I'm talking about like even like the, like the India, like the, the, the country that, like, that, that I have never given interview before. Like Middle East, like so many different places. I told my manager, cancel everything. I didn't want my teammate to think I'm doing this for attention. So MBPA called me, the player association, which I give thousands of dollars every year to protect my rights against NBA. They said, you can now wear those shoes every again. NBA has been pressuring us so much. Am I breaking any rules? They said, no. I was like, they pressured me so much. It got to a point, I was like, you know what? I promise you, I'm not going to wear free Tibet shoes ever again. They said, promise? I said, promise. I hang up the phone. So the next game, I wore free Uyghur shoes. So they called me I love me the way you operate. <laughs> I mean, I'm not lying. So they called me after the game. They said, you're a liar. You lied to us. You tricked. I was like, first of all, I never said I'm not going to wear free Uyghur shoes. I just said I'm just not going to wear free Tibet shoes. So at that point, I understand that they're not going to be able to handle me. So the, after the third game, Daryl Morey, actually, we had a conversation with Daryl Morey. He said, listen, man, you know, when I stand for Hong Kong, when I tweeted, NBA uh, messaged me and said, you know, NBA pressured me to took my tweet down, you know. put This some, is the general manager. This is the general manager of Houston Rockets. Yeah. They put, they wanted me to put things out there which I didn't want to put. So you don't delete your tweet down. You don't, you take your tweet, just keep doing what you're doing. So at that moment, I was like, wow. I cannot believe that NBA says that they care about free speech, but behind curtains, that's, this is what they're doing. And uh, it, it's such hypocrisy. Exactly. And they were the first organization when the, all the protests were happening. They said, oh, we care about this. We care about that. I was like, OK, this is another human rights issue. Care about this, this too then. After the second or third game, one of my teammates woke up to me and said, you know, this is your last year in NBA, right? I was like. 
how? They said, you talk about Nike, you talk about China, you're not going to be able to dribble a basketball ever again on this court. I was like, okay. My agent called me. He said, listen, I work for, I work for you. I don't work for an NBA. So I have to be honest with you. You say another word about China, we're not going to get another contract. And that is going to cost us between 40 to $50 million. I said, okay. I hang up. I just keep doing what I'm doing. God so. bless you. You know, as this is so true for so many naturalized citizens, y'all make such great Americans because you remind those of us who had the privilege of being born here why our country exists mm -hmm. and what we need to be standing for. And I, of all of the people to criticize, first of all, starting with the Chinese Communist mm -hmm. Party and massacring Muslim Uyghurs and others, the, the thing sitting here in Washington, D.C., in my lane, which is focused on policy, the, 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 the effect of what the NBA did towards you and, and just giving a pass to the Chinese Communist Party has actually had a really good effect that they didn't intend. It has motivated not just you, but a lot of policymakers in this city yep. to finally confront China. And that's awesome. Yep. And, and Edis, you initiated that. No, I'm fine. I'm glad finally it's happening. I'm glad finally they're being exposed, you know, because they had to. I mean, look at TikTok, look at NBA, look at Hollywood, look at Wall Street, look at uh, academias, big tech, farmland. And I can just go on and on, you know. So, like, America has to wake up before it's too late. Do you think since you persisted in, mm -hmm. in, in, in those early days of protesting China and the NBA, that you've seen America turn the corner toward a greater recognition of the problem? Yes, 100%. So I mean, go ahead. What, what, what do people need to do, people listening or, or watching this conversation? What, what can we do to help? I mean, it's, people are always like coming and actually telling me, hey, I'm not an NBA player. I don't have the platform. This, what can I do to help? I want to help. What can, it's actually very simple. You go... Say you go somewhere, right? You go, you, you, you're going to go to a shop or you're going to buy something online, whatever. Do all the research. You pick up an item and you see made in China. Put it down. It's literally that easy. You know, you don't have to have a millions of followers on Instagram. You don't have to have this and that. I mean, just this is the, the, the least you can do. Just pick up an item made in China, put it down. It's literally that easy. So because I was even telling my teammates, I'm like, listen, guys. The shoes that you've been wearing is made by slave kids. You have kids. And think about your kids are being... So in sweatshops, there are kids between, I believe, 7 to 18 who work 16 hours a day, six times a week, you know? So whenever I was telling this to my teammates, they was like, hey, man, like, just join me. Not only my teammates, because it was a perfect moment, because it was right before the Beijing Olympics. So the whole world, whole world is talking about it. So I try to reach out to everyone, NBA, NFL, MLB, MLS, NHL, WWE, actually everyone. Forget about the Olympians. I was like, listen, join me. Let's create a movement. Let's stand. Because this is not political issue. It doesn't matter. You're from the right. You're from the left. You're Democrat. You're Republican. Who do you vote for? Because this is a human rights issue. It's above politics. They always, they all say the same thing. They said, listen, man, I think what you're doing is so amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. We love you. We support you, but we just cannot do it alone. I asked them why. They said, well, we have shoe deals, endorsement deals. We have, you know, we want to get another contract. I asked them one simple question. I was like, put yourself in their shoes. If your mother, if your sister, if your daughter was in those concentration camps, getting tortured and gang rape every day, would you still pick money 
over your morals, values, and principles. They usually turn around and leave the room. They cannot answer that question. You're, you're so not just outspoken, but you're, you're substantive in your diagnosis of the problem of human rights violations around the country that you're, you're active in policy circles, not political mm-hmm. circles, to your earlier point, to the point that I made about running into you in the Capitol last year. Do you, do you have confidence in American policymakers in both parties. Mm-hmm. This is this has got to be a bipartisan exactly. effort in order exactly. to, to, to uh, win. Do you have confidence that in the near term, like in the next year or two, that they are going to pick up this mantle as policymakers and, and change policy as it relates to China? I mean, I think so, and I hope so, because it is going to be too late when they realize how dangerous the Chinese government is. We have no problem with Chinese people. We love Chinese people. This is about the know? Chinese Communist Party. Exactly. Right? That's what I'm trying to tell people. This is about Chinese Communist Party. I mean, look, TikTok, right? I was so happy when they invited the CEO of TikTok and they were grilling him and like they should, you know, because I mean, right now, 150 million people in America is being brainwashed by Chinese Communist Party, you know, especially the kids. So when I heard that, I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy a second phone because if you have a phone and if you download TikTok, that means every, or every conversation, every data is goes to the Chinese Communist Party's computers. So just know that. So I bought a second phone just to download TikTok. So I downloaded TikTok. I started posting things about their human rights abuses. I promise you in one week, they banned me. So when I heard that they were going to, you know, they have a hearing with uh, the CEO of TikTok, I was like, I texted one of my congressman friends. I was like, can you please ask him this question? He said, I got you, right? While he was asking the question, the, the China unbanned me on TikTok. Think about it. The question, he hasn't finished his question yet, but I wanted to record everything. So I screen recorded everything because I knew this was going to happen. Right. And so right after that, I believe Washington Post uh, did a whole, you know, investigation and and TikTok had TikTok said, yes, we banned Ennis, but it was a mistake or it was an error on our computer. Always a mistake. So like this is only like one thing. But people need to realize, man, before it's too late, because this is getting dangerous and dangerous. So a couple final questions before Mm -hmm. we wrap up. We want to we want to have you back. And we'll, no, really, as I told you, for you're, sure. no, for you're, sure. you're one of the great American patriots of this generation. How do you keep not just a level head, because you're, mm-hmm. you're a calm guy, but you're also, you've got this natural optimism mm-hmm. in spite of a lot of people criticizing you. I want yeah. people in the audience to be inspired to have your courage. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't want to do that because they're afraid of the risks. What's the lesson? You know, what, what advice do you give them? I think the one lesson that that we all need to get each other. I think the one thing that I always live by is it doesn't matter what your religion is, your skin color, your culture, whatever you believe in or your background. The most important thing in life is leave your differences on a table and trying to find what we have in common. Because we only have one world to live. Till one of those crazy billionaires find another planet, this world is what we have. So we have to make this world better together. Because if not then, you know, this is our home and we are all teammates, you know, Uh, it's a huge team. So 
we got to do whatever we can to, you know, make this world better together, make this country better together um, by not selling our country, the Chinese Communist Party, which is the biggest threat in our world right now. I mean, look, what what is the latest? Now, the, all the, look at NATO, and now all the dictatorships are aligning. Look at, they just had the BRICS. I'm sure you know the BRICS. Brazil, Russia, Iran, China, and uh, Af- South Africa, you know? And I'm sure so many other dictatorships are, are going to uh, join them. So we have to wake, wake up before it's too late. Like I said, again, this is a non this is a bipartisan issue. This is above politics because China is trying to invade America from the inside because they know they're not strong enough. They're, they're not strong enough to uh, invade America from the outside by taking over, you know, Wall Street, farmland, academias, big tech, MBA, Hollywood, giving billions of dollars to these people or companies or CEOs. I ask one simple question to, uh, to our audience. When Russia was invading, you know, is invading Ukraine, all these like CEOs, companies, everyone pulled up their business with Russia, right? If God forbid China ever to invade Taiwan, how many CEOs, athletes, companies will speak up about it? Too few. Too few. I I ask that question a lot. And you may know this. I think some of our audience members will on on the matter of China just recently Heritage, and, and by that I mean almost everyone at Heritage was involved in this. We released what I think is the most significant research paper mm-hmm. we've ever done, and that is an indictment of China's influence in the United States. And beyond the indictment, what the solutions are legislatively, what Congress needs to do, what state legislatures yeah. need to do. And I and I say that really not even to make the plug that people need to read that as much as to say this. I think there's a silver lining in all of this. Because any of us who wake up in the United States, whether we were born here or not, regardless of the color of our skin, religion, party affiliation, we know that the United States is not as strong as it once was. And one of the reasons we're not is because we don't have any longer that that cohesive, unifying topic. Right. Well, guess what that is? The Chinese Communist Party. Exactly. And, and, and I just know that from history, when Americans are united across the political spectrum on some threat that transcends even our ability mm-hmm. to to flourish, we do really well. No, it is a biggest threat, man. I, it still messes with my mind. I remember first time I started to talk about the, the, the problems that are happening in China. I had a conversation with someone from the government. He said, just keep it secret who I am, but I'm, so I'm just going to keep it secret. So me and him sit down, right? He said, look me in the eyes. I looked at him. He said, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen for the next six to eight months. I was like, okay, what's going to happen? He said, you will be getting DMs, phone calls, messages, WhatsApp calls from one of the most beautiful girls in the world. Do not answer any of them. They're Chinese spies. I was like, oh my God, that messed me up so much. Now I can't even like... That's tough advice to hear. Yeah. I can't even talk to anyone. You know, so if someone messages me or try to talk to me, I'm like, hmm, like, are you a spy? You like, what are you trying to do? Exactly. Right? Look at spy balloons. Look at TikTok and stuff. So people, gym, parents, everyone needs to wake up before it's too late. So that's what I'm trying to say. So what's in the future for NS Freedom? Good question. Um, well, I wish I could say basketball. I, don't I do too. I wish you could yeah, say Yeah, I'm 30 years old, man. I'm healthy. I can... 
go out there and dunk the ball, break the rim right now. But I feel healthy. I feel good. But I don't think there's going to be any basketball for me in the future. It's got to be hard. We talked about maybe Europe, but that is tough because Turkish government put a bounty on my hand. So the many of my friends in America don't want me to stay in a country for more than three days unless it's America, you know. So I don't think there's it's going to be any basketball in Europe. So I feel like basketball chapter is closed now. Um, many of my friends are telling me to get into politics. So I think that's what I am looking to do. Um, but the only sad thing is you have to wait seven years to run for an office after you become a citizen. So and you're I'm down. I got like four more years left. Yeah. Okay. So I think 2028 is my year. I believe so. I'm just gonna, you know, go out there and just bring because, like, whenever I sit down with this politicians, both sides, you know, Democrats and Republicans, they're like, listen, you need to bring your voice mm -hmm. in our capital. I think it will be an amazing voice because you stand for the right things. You know, you stand for the things that both both sides should care, and that is the only message I believe that can bring two sides together: human rights, you know, and freedom. So um, that's what I'm looking to do. So the for the next four years, four or five years, I'm just gonna continue to do. What I love, you know, just uh, use basketball as a tool to bring people together. I organize these basketball camps around the world. Uh, two of them I organize in, one was in Jerusalem, other one is in Vatican. After having a conversation with the Pope, it was an amazing experience. I had a basketball camp in Vatican. So, uh, for, so for the next four or five years, I'm just going to try to educate and inspire the youth. And then in 2028, I'm just going to, you know, run for... In a state where it's warm and sunny. <laughs> so there's a hint. Shout out to Florida. <laughs> okay. And you, you haven't mentioned party affiliation, which means, and I'm not going to ask you about that because I can't, um, that as a, as a nonpartisan institute, although we're, of course, unabashedly yep. conservative, that's, that's not a partisan <laughs> statement. So I, therefore, I can encourage you to do that because I think that we need thoughtful voices across the political spectrum, mm -hmm. regard, regardless of party affiliation. And I just want to thank you once again and encourage you for you everything for you're doing. Me. Keep smiling. Keep charging hills. You do know that the American people are with you. Of course. No, I just, I give, it gives me so much hope whenever I walk on the street and there's this American, which I've never seen before, white, black, whoever, it doesn't matter, just screams my name and say, freedom or Mr. Freedom. You know, that gives me so much hope whenever I go to this basketball camps or arenas and whenever I hear people are screaming, chanting freedom, freedom, right? This is all about. Um, so I think, you know, it's, we have an amazing message. I'm saying we because we are in this together. So we have an amazing message, but we just have to protect our rights and and just go out there and just smile. So Great way to end this conversation. Ennis, thanks for taking the time no, to do thank this. Thank you for inviting me, Ben. It's an amazing honor to just sit down and talk to you guys. You're welcome back anytime. Thank you. Thanks for joining this episode of The Kevin Roberts Show. Obviously, that was a special treat for all of us. I hope you take it as a shot in the arm to maybe be even more patriotic, but most of all, to be more hopeful about self-governance, about freedom, about human rights in this country and abroad. Take care. In the meantime, we'll see you in the next episode. Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It's written and produced by Mark Guiney, Lauren Evans, and John Pop. Production assistance by Alexa Walker and Jeff Smith. Special thanks to Dr. Kevin Roberts.